Welcome to another episode of the Safety at Work Talks podcast. I'm Kevin Jones. Over a decade ago, I took a stab at creating my first podcast series. These were based around interviews that I conducted for articles in my Safety at Work blog. It seemed silly not to also publish those audio files and podcasting provided that opportunity as it does now. Over the years, those files dropped off the servers and I needed to attend to other things. But I still have some of those files, and although the sound quality could be better, I think the podcast's content remains relevant, even though many of the interviewees have moved on to other jobs and positions, and sometimes even other countries. So as part of Australia's National Safe Work Month for 2017, I've resurrected those podcast files under my new Safety at Work Talks brand. The first of these is an interview from October 2006, with Dr. Yuka Takala, who at that time was the newly appointed head of the Occupational Safety and Health Agency of the European Union. I finally met up with Yuka at the Singapore OHS World Congress last month. He's now working with Singapore's Ministry of Manpower. But I think you'll find the content of, uh, of the podcast, of what Yuka says, of interest, even though it was uh, recorded 10 years ago. So here is that 2006 podcast with Yuka Takala. Hello and welcome to the October 14 edition of the Safety at Work podcast. My name is Kevin Jones, the editor of Safety at Work magazine. Today I'm very proud to provide you with an exclusive interview with Dr. Yuka Takala. Yuka Takala has started work as the European Agency for Safety and Health at Work's new director. He was formerly the director of the ILO's Safe Work program, the largest program in the ILO's social protection sector. Yuka has more than 30 years professional experience working in the field of occupational safety and health, first in his native Finland and subsequently at the ILO. A mechanical engineer by training, he holds a doctorate in technology from the Tampere University of Technology. Dr. Takala succeeds Hans Horst Konkoluski the agency's only director since its launch in September 1996. Yuka, thank you for joining us. Uh, very welcome. I'm ha happy to be here in a new position and, and happy to talk to you. Well, I'm glad to have you. When I last interviewed you in 2003, you were attending an Australian OHS conference as a representative of the ILO. Now that your position deals with a specific geography, how important are non-European OHS matters? Uh, I would say that they are as important as ever. Um, uh, globalization is taking over. We don't move, uh, start making borders and, and limits uh, the other way around. If we provide solutions, if we have web services, these are all available to anybody in the world. And, and we, we in, in, in fact, we don't want to have any limitations in the other way around it that uh, they should be available for all and also we cannot find all those solutions over here we need that uh, from all over the world in particularly in, in the business of knowledge management uh, experience and uh, sharing experiences and, and um, uh, information this is vital uh, of course my immediate role is not uh, to have any any particular uh, international uh, role or conferences or, or so involving every country in the world but at the same time we have uh, the EU has uh, uh, collaboration arrangement with, with a large number of other countries sort of a foreign relations of the EU and uh, we have technical cooperation projects in, in developing countries covering 
almost any continent uh, or in, in already any continent and a large number of countries. So this is a global business still, although my main mandate are the 25 or early next year, 27 EU countries plus the neighbouring countries plus the others. Well, as you mentioned, the EU regularly has new members. Can the EU implement uniform OHS standards in all of its uh, members, or must the EU allow for cultural flexibility in workplace safety approaches? Uh, I think this is also a clear message. No, we cannot have double standards. <laughs> one standard for one set of countries, another standard for another set of countries. Of course, we know that there are different levels of implementations and there are problems in implementations and the workplace safety level is certainly not the same, but that's not the same either in, in two different companies. So, so although the target is that uh, workforce is equally covered in any of the countries, that's also the target of the ILO, that, that the, ILO, the ILO conventions and recommendations and course of practices are, are covering, covering every country in the world. Uh, that is the target that we have equal equal coverage. Uh, there is a limitation. We we uh, in the Europe, European level we may have a bit more even even possibilities for for control, for inspection, for enforcement and and, and coordination because in, in Europe we have a mechanism for 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 following up and and uh, we have some 30 different directives who are which are covering every every single member state. So, for example, Bulgaria and Romania, who are just joining now, they uh, have to do all this kind of thing uh, exactly in the same way as others. So, I think this is not something what is what is um, possible that we we treat them in a different way. But but surely we'll have to in their process we'll have to take that that one into account that they don't have all those facilities and help them and support. Well, having travelled, uh, having never travelled to uh, Bulgaria. Do new members need to start from scratch, or is there some basic framework that you can use or they can use to implement OHS directives? Uh, first of all, when, when EU accepts new members, member states, such as now Bulgaria and Romania, this is always accompanied by a process, long process and program supporting these accession countries. They certainly have to agree on what we call acquis communautaire or, or, or common uh, legislation as a package. There's no way of, of that's a prerequisite for them to be members. And there's a strict uh, control process that before they are accepted, they have to fulfill all of those. Uh, we, we, in fact, we have a fairly good picture of, of what they have done in, 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 in these uh, countries already before, and I, I don't think there's any major problems in, in uh, fulfilling the, the minimum requirements in the field of occupational safety and health. There are still some, some things that they need to be done, uh, uh, although they have been already in practice agreed to join 1st of January next year. Uh, but uh, uh, but they have been participating Bulgaria and Romania and so did the 10 other countries who don't have organized the European agencies organizing our focal points meetings and, and so on uh, in fact we had one uh, finishing yesterday and we had Bulgaria and Romania already there they had been there in the past already for, for some time and they get uh, technical cooperation funding uh, for, for uh, getting their things right uh, they get some some uh, materials, they get even some uh, computer systems and training and, and so on. In, in fact, uh, what will be different when they finally join, all that support uh, gradually disappears. They are expected to do uh, exactly as any other countries. 
while we know of course that these this um, sort of newly joining countries they need support and and uh, they may get sort of bilateral support from from um, better equipped um, countries in in the neighborhood Yuka, do you think uh, prospective members include workplace safety as an important consideration in applying for EU membership, or do they see OHS as just one of a package of benefits? Uh, my my understanding it depends, of course, for what are the countries concerned, and, and they, some countries they seem to be uh, quite happy, uh, particularly the safety and health people. They seem to be quite happy that okay, now they come to a different level. They have. A, have a boost of, of, of safety and health because there's a push for, for the existing member states to do something and, and in a way they are feeling empowered when they get uh, that kind of a, uh, obligation and, and not only the safety and health people but that that's, uh, that those requirements are put on the uh, on the decision makers, on the prime ministers and, and, and so on. So the whole government will have to agree on those. So it's not an easy process for anybody. So in, in a way, uh, it, it has helped many of those countries. In some others, they might, like I remember myself, when, when Finland joins 19, was it 1994 or 5, uh, there was quite a lot of discussion that uh, now our safety level will go down because they were afraid that uh, we, our achievements may not be kept and we may have to go down to the common level, which may be not always at the, at the same um, level as, as what it used to be. No, even that was that one was was uh, just um, uh, thinking what what uh, what didn't appear to be at all correct. And, and now, ten years later, everybody agreed that that it was absolutely a good thing for safety and health because uh, some people may think that we are excellent <laughs> and then others are not. But no, it wasn't the case. Of course. Every country is good in something, and, and some others are better in something else. So, so it, it has clearly been a boost for for safety and health in any of the countries when you look afterwards. But uh, how these people treat it in the in the joining process that depends how, what are the initial perceptions. Hans Horst Kunkelis, uh, Konkoluski, sorry about that, gave uh, the EU OSHA a very high profile in the OHS sector around the world with reciprocal websites, etc. Is this level of profile important to achieving uh, OSHA's aims, or do you prefer to be a quiet no, uh, achiever? I'm, I'm not particularly interested in, in, in a personal promotion of, of anybody, but I, I think we'll have to have a high profile uh, for occupational safety and health. If we don't uh, lift the profile of, of occupational safety and health, who does? So this is important that we, we keep safety and health high on the agenda. In fact, that has been the discussion point at, at many different levels. Uh, uh, and and uh, I think this is one of the strategy what we have uh, adopted here in the in the European agency and the European level altogether, that, that pushing safety and health higher on the agenda. That means um, uh, not only the politicians and the system makers and, and parliaments and, and even heads of states, but, but the media itself, safety net, cannot be simply left to the safety net professionals to tackle with. This is a business that is of, of major interest to any single worker anywhere in the world. Uh, so uh, this needs higher profile, and we cannot reach all those uh, 2.8 uh, million workers of the world or, 
or, or 250 million European workers without having higher profile, without having media involvement and so on. So this is exactly one of the key points. In, in, in fact, our biggest unit here in the European Agency is communication and promotion unit. And, and the target of that is to lift uh, safety and health. How is done then, then in, in practice? Is it done by by individual visits or, or, or so? I, I think all those measures will have to be somehow used, but but the target is not not to, to highlight a Mr. Takala somewhere or, or Mr. Kongolevsky somewhere else. No, the target is to, to highlight that occupational safety and that is important. I'm the spokesperson in, in many instances, but, but not particularly because of myself. Well, in Australia, um, business tends to rely on unions uh, to some extent to police health and safety, and the unions have a very declining membership. Many EU members or new members have even lower union membership rates. Um, do you plan to continue with a tripartite approach to OHS, or is there a consultative structure that could be more suitable to current work structures? Uh, when I was elected by the uh, governing board of the European Agency, um, I stated clearly that uh, I will not forget the tripartite structure that I've been preaching for the 26 years and I will certainly continue. Um, that, that is vital, it was not only vital for the governing board, which is tripartite body itself, but uh, for the European Union as a whole, we'll have a mechanism where, where the trade unions and, and businesses are, are sitting together and, and working together, and that's what we do in, in, in every single instance where we can. So I think the tripartite dialogue is uh, vital. It will have to continue, and it's very useful. Certainly, it will be sometimes more clumsy and takes time to take uh, get final decisions. And, and in terms of efficiency, uh, we may have to bargain and to have more democracy. But that is how how Western societies are working, and uh, I think. Uh, in the working life, the, the constituents are exactly the, the, the uh, tripartite elements, uh, governments, workers, employers. It doesn't certainly prevent us in looking for other structures and, and other bodies and, and organizations and NGOs to, to, to participate in the process better and looking for, for, for uh, additional players. Uh, in, in fact, the, the, that I'm fully in, in, in uh, favor of, of getting wider participation, but that cannot be, be uh, taking place at the expense of, of the tripartite collaboration. In, in fact, also I, I'm aware that many of the uh, in workers and employers are, are a bit worried that now uh, these NGOs come and take over and that they are treated equally. They, they have to have a, a role and, and particularly say professional organizations like like International Commission of Occupational Health and the International Association of Labor Inspection and, and uh, Hygiene, uh, International Occupational Hygiene Associations and all. So they certainly have a big role but not not in a way that that would be conflicting to the tripartite role. And I think any of those organizations understand it perfectly well. They don't, I don't think they are they are trying to uh, lift their status uh, by pushing the, the, the trade unions and, and businesses side. But the trade unions and businesses are the key players. So, so 
by bipartite collaboration at the workplace level is a civilized way of doing things rather than having having a conflict and, and, and demonstrations on the street. We sit next to the table and we work together and, and uh, that has shown to, to have excellent results in those countries which has exercised this for a long time. Clearly, clearly this um, level of uh, unionization is, is, uh, is of concern and I think the new occupations uh, are not always well covered. Uh, but uh, I come from a uh, Nordic country and, and our unionization rate is high. Um, I was even in the uh, University of Technology dissertation of, of a doctoral thesis where one of the key output was that uh, the main uh, reason for the success of safety net, or it was on labor inspection, success of labor inspection in Sweden was that the, the workers and employers made an agreement in, in the 1930s already to discuss these things and didn't start fighting, didn't start striking and those things, but sat together and, and that resulted uh, in an excellent output um, in, in terms of safety and health. Scandinavia is often shown as an example of OHS achievements, but Scandinavia has a dramatically different social structure than other EU members. How transferable are some of the OHS initiatives from Scandinavia to Europe and other areas of the world? I don't really believe, believe that the social structure is, is radically different. It, it is um, certainly cultures are different and, and sometimes uh, the cultures are reflected in behaviour and I noticed that, for example, trade unions are in, in some countries much more militant uh, than, than uh, in, say, Scandinavian countries. Uh, that again may be as a result of, of some, some not so well uh, organized um, relations in the past and, and, and uh, the culture might have gone into that direction. While I think we can move and we can change cultures. It's not something that is a fixed thing and if, if there's a genuine will commitment to have a somewhat different culture, that's all that we are preaching about. Pre preventative safety and culture safety and health culture is something that we, we want to, to establish. And one part of it is uh, 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 learning from, from these uh, cultures that have, have uh, been quite successful in the past. Uh, there are certainly some differences, but, but for example, these um, uh, management systems uh, resulting into this um, safety culture, uh, prevention princi principle of prevention systems approach, and so on, they are all um, accepted practically uh, unanimously in, in, in the in the safety and health community and the workplace communities that that uh, these are excellent solutions. So uh, how quickly and how, what are the ways to better introduce those cultures and, and, and get them functioning uh, in, in, in other countries, and, uh, such as Australia and, and so on? I think it's a question of, of more management uh, than, than, than uh, different, different uh, structures in the societies. How different do you think your new job will be compared to your time with the ILO's uh, Safe Work Program? Uh, of course, many or, or should I say most of the issues and, and uh, uh, 
and including solutions are, are similar. Um, the European Union uh, and the ILO's uh, ideas are, are very close. I don't think there's any principal um, conflict between uh, in, in safety and health in, in between any of, of, of the players in this field. The targets and, and goals are the same. Uh, the, the, some of the, the methods, but we are, or most of the methods are the same. Um, also, the problems. Uh, if you look at what are the world problems now uh, in in the EU, all, although there's an uh, agreed asbestos ban, asbestos is killing some 20,000 people in in the European Union because of, of bad management in the past and also still bad management of the present asbestos in place. Uh, accidents, dangerous substances, musculoskeletal disorder, disorders and, and stress and psychosocial issues, they are exactly the same problems all around the world. If you look at, of course the priorities are different depending on the level of, of development, but for example in Australia and the European Union, I can't see much of a big difference of, of those problems. So of course we, we cannot expect that the that there would be totally different uh, ways of, of finding uh, uh, solutions for these problems in, in, in uh, uh, down under or up here on, on this this side of the of the globe. Uh, but but clearly some of the tools are different. And, and what I'm quite happy now compared to my previous job that that there is a, a fairly strong should I say legal base? Everybody is supposed to follow the same directives, those, those EU directives. There is a strong collaboration of the enforcement in the form of a senior labor inspectors committee, uh, and the senior labor inspectors committee makes uh, frequent evaluations of of each individual member state, making sure that uh, that uh, both the new and the old member states are, are following. Reasonably uh, harmonized methods and efficient methods themselves. So, so some of the things are, are in a way much better organized once you have um, funding, uh, like in the European Union. And, and I was joking already when I was uh, leaving the European, when I was leaving the, the uh, International Labour Organization. We had 179 countries, and now I have 25. But the budget went exactly the opposite direction. So that that is helpful, of course, and and and, and I'm I'm really happy to have a a, a um, structure, not only the agency here, but the Commission and support from the European Parliament and and support from the 25 member states and and counting for the uh, the 27 in the future. So I think these are different, clearly, um, and and I I'm I'm sure that we are able to do more in, in the Europe at the European level than than, than, uh, than the coordination at the international level ever can be possible. Well certainly the, the reach of the ILO and the EU safety programs are, are quite broad and global. I was interviewing the Labour Minister for the Solomon Islands a couple of years ago and he said that the ILO OHS standards were the principal resource in his country's OHS program. Yeah, of course, of course. And, and uh, for, for example, now we have this, uh, what we call, Safe Start campaign, particularly targeting young workers and, and specific safety and health problems that young workers face when they are entering the workplace. Uh, these are something that anybody, and of course we hope that, that other countries could 
learn and use the same kind of materials and, and follow the campaign, not only in the 27. In fact, we already have the campaign in more than 30 countries because European Union is not only the EU, but the, the EFTA countries and the accession countries and, and the invited neighborhood countries who participate. So the campaign itself is already taken care of for more than 30 countries. So these kind of things can be uh, easily, you know, voluntarily used anywhere in the world, and, 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 and we are, of course, trying to encourage um, ILO and WHO to join this and, and, and getting, getting stronger messages across the world. So I, I think uh, EU has a major role in the world. Uh, we are not responsible, really, for, for more than the uh, 25 plus 2, but but uh, I think that the benefits hopefully will, will go much, much beyond. Well, I hope this interview is a, an indication of how many people around the world watch what happens in the EU. To Thank us, you very much. It was really pleasure to talk to you, and, and uh, uh, please get in touch with us when, when you need further figures and numbers and details and so on. We are more than happy to talk about uh, anything in the future. Well, Jukka, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that was Dr. Yuka Takala, the new director of the European Union's Agency for Safety and Health at Work, talking exclusively to Safety at Work. Please remember that more information on EU OSHA will be available through Safety at Work magazine. Thanks also to all those listeners who downloaded our most recent podcast on amphetamine use in the workplace. It seems that most listeners are downloading the program on weekends. In fact, one listener told me, she downloads to her iPod and then listens to the podcast on her car radio when she drives between work sites. Well, that's a terrific way to keep informed on OHS matters, but uh, please give your full attention to the road as well. Remember, if you have any suggestions for interviews or you want more information on a particular OHS topic, please contact me uh, by email at jonesk, that's J-O-N-E-S-K, at safetyatwork.biz safety at work is all one word and biz is b-i-z or you can go through our website at uh, safetyatwork.biz we're always happy to receive uh, feedback from listeners all safety at work podcasts are free to listen to and I hope that you will recommend them to your colleagues and your friends and I hope that you can join us again in the next couple of weeks for our next podcast my name's Kevin Jones. Please stay safe till next time. Well, thanks for listening to that archive program of um, the Safety at Work blog podcast from 2006. It shows that uh, although workplace safety changes over time, in some ways um, it, uh, it doesn't change at all. But anyway, that's the nature of safety. So if you like... Um, what you're hearing and you'd like to uh, support um, uh, the safety um, at work talks podcast more you're uh, happy to um, well you're welcome to subscribe to uh, to the free podcast on whatever platform you're using um, I've posted these files on SoundCloud Podbean and iTunes and uh, they'll um, the links will also occur on the safety at work blog if you subscribe to that so anyway, thank you very much for listening. I'm Kevin Jones, and uh, please tune in next time for the Safety at Work Talks podcast.